That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Aaron, we are back, and uh, we are actually, this Sunday is um, in New York City, is our kickoff Sunday, our welcome home Sunday, and so this is where all of our fall programs get going and uh, are underway. And, yeah. Uh, are you back in the saddle officially yet? By so again, listeners, uh, I am still on sabbatical. Jake out there is working in the vineyard of the Lord while I am just drinking the wine of the vineyard. Uh, quite literally, <laughs> I'm at my dad's vineyard in North Carolina, JuniusLindsayVineyard.com. Get your bottle now. Yeah, do it. Um, so I uh, I know when the, for this for this Sunday, September 12th, I will not yet be back in the office. I'll be starting back uh, this coming Tuesday, although we're recording this in uh, in mid-August. But yeah, I, my my first day back is uh, I think September 14th, and then I'm I'm, I'm in church that next Sunday. Uh, yeah, so and uh, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I'll be I'll be back in Texas pretty soon, um, just finishing out the. The sabbat, and then um, I'll kind of ease into it. Well, uh, I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that we can help you ease into it a month early. So Thank you very much. It's good. So, it's good. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I'm, I'm yeah. enjoying myself, Jake. So uh, we. Uh, well, I'm glad, and um, I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was about to ask. No, no. So here we are. But uh, we are. Um, we're uh, making our way into September. Can you stand it? And so, um, and if you're in the New York City area. Want to invite you to come to St. George's Church at three o'clock, as we are going to be on co-naming 16th Street between Third Avenue and Rutherford Place, Harry T. Burley Place. And so it's a great moment for our community. And who was Terry um, T. Burley? Harry T. Burley was the great African American soloist who sang at St. George's Church for 50 years. Basically introduced the world to the African American spiritual and plantation songs. Was the inspiration to Antoine de Vorjac's New World Symphony. Antoine Dvorak has a monument in Stuyvesant Square, but there's nothing about Burley. And um, now there will be. And uh, he also, man, I mean, he was amazing. He sang before kings and governors. He's the first uh, African-American to sleep in the New York governor's mansion when Roosevelt was governor here. And um, he uh, sang for 25 years as the cantor at Bethel Congregation Synagogue. And... um, Gosh, and he wrote in he wrote the melody to "In Christ There Is No East or West." That's so, bananas. Yeah, bananas. So, so take that, all you haters of the Episcopal Church. We got Harry T. Burley in our mm-hmm. in our ranks. That's awesome. Yeah. So we uh, come today to so just if you're coming, just yeah, come have a good time. There's going to be refreshments, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So Proverbs chapter one, verses twenty to thirty-three. And then we have, once again, James 3, 1 through 12. So this episode is going to be another drag. And then uh, (laughs) Mark chapter 8, verses 27 to 38. So Yeah, um, and by the way, if we're going through, as you know, regular listeners, track 1 through this summer mm -hmm. readings, uh, 
you have you know two options for the uh, Old Testament readings, track one or two. Track two this week is Wisdom of Solomon, which is not a scripture uh, text. Mm-hmm. It is in so the Apocrypha. So if you, against my advice and Jake's advice and your own better judgment, convictions. if you choose to go against the 39 articles and include this reading in your services, um, just make sure you remind your uh, readers uh, to end by saying, here ends the lesson or here ends the reading and do not say the word of the Lord because it ain't. Thanks be to God. So. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, so you know, but it and is if you disagree with so, us, keep listening. We love you, anyways. Yeah. And, uh, we'll so, but yeah, we have a track. Uh, we have track one though, and if you remember, it begins with David, and we have this entire walkthrough with David and his life, and then there's a brief moment right before we entered into Proverbs with Solomon, and uh, and Solomon's court. And if you remember, you know, Solomon was a wise king, and all of this wonderful stuff, but he really. He was, he was a compartmentalized king because he didn't fully yep. trust in the Lord, brought in the high places and all of these things. And by so, high places, um, you mean idol worship. Idol worship, that's right. And so and so we come to like our first reading, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 33. And and Solomon is, is, is credited with writing this, or as you said earlier in our pregame, uh, Solomon's court. And so, but this is kind of basically how you need to understand this text. This is once again description. And wisdom is personified as a female, not because it's God, uh, but because it is a voice that comes from a place that no one would naturally in those days think to listen. And so there's a cultural part here. And so, but, um, but wisdom is functioning as a prophetic voice, um, a prophetic voice coming out of the Solomonic court, uh, which is not following wisdom of, of the Lord, but the wisdom of the world. Yeah, and so this uh, this is we read Proverbs last week, but it was Proverbs seven, so kind of was further along in the book, and now we're going back to the introduction of Proverbs, which this sort of sets the tone for the book, and basically it's a book of wisdom, and these are usually, uh, I mean, I, uh, these these are statements that give you good advice for life, and this begins kind of laying out pretty thick, like the importance of this, and it is it is good, and it does talk about uh, why it's so important. It gets into the human condition. How long, in verse 22, will scoffers delight in their scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? Have you ever tried to convince someone of um, something that's in their own best interest, but they will not hear you? They absolutely will not hear you. Um, or some a scoffer who delights in their scoffing. This is someone who just is outraged and contemptuous and just loves being outraged and contemptuous, but will never actually move on from that just because they like the intensity of that. I reach people that watch a lot of TV news are often scoffers who delight in their scoffing. They just, they're Democrats who just love hating Republicans or Republicans who love hating Democrats without ever actually engaging with the issues in a substantive way. Um, and so this passage talks about wisdom, how important it is and how people don't want to listen to it and just tries to use strong language about that. But again, I would say this passage, uh, as true as it is and as uh, uh, powerful its diagnosis of the human condition. Uh, it doesn't actually give, uh, it doesn't help us get where we want to go. This is, um, uh, <laughs> there's an article I saw this past week that said something like, what are all these productivity apps and why do none of them work? Uh, you know, it's basically all different variations of a, of, of a better to-do list. Uh, or, uh, Gosh, you know, 
there have been books about how to lose weight for hundreds of years. Uh, the 20th century saw the real rise in popularity of it. Um, I just um, there's a lot of old books here at the farm where I'm my, my family farm in North Carolina, and I just found one that was like advice for young women, and it had like one of the pages was like how to eat 1,200 calories a day, and I was like, gosh, we have been terrible forever as a species, and um, and so whether and now another article last week was like why are eating disorders now so common among men? So basically, everybody is um, we are flawed beings that somehow can't really do what we know is right. So all that to say is like, yes, wisdom is great. Proverbs is a great book. If you do follow wisdom, it's great. Usually, if you are foolish, it's usually not great. Uh, but just telling your people that is not going to get you anywhere. Mm. And I will say, it's important to note that the Bible does not end with the book of Proverbs. Absolutely. Uh, because it is not that simplistic to just say, be wise, don't be foolish. End of story. Because even though it says here in verse uh, 32, the waywardness kills the simple. And then verse 33, but those who listen to me will be secure and will live at ease. That is sort of, kind of, generally, maybe, sometimes true in human history, more or less. But we all know people who have lived wise lives and who get just slammed by some disaster. We all know people who have lived as fools and yet seem to be rewarded by the world. And actually, this is talked about in uh, some parts of Scripture. We know Jesus, who was the wisest guy ever. Look where that ended up for him. So um, I would tread lightly on Proverbs. I would use this as a way maybe to diagnose the human condition if you then want to talk about the grace of God to people That's who are foolish. Because right. we're going to see in this reading at the end with uh, um, uh, in the gospel in Mark uh, Mark's gospel we'll see uh, somebody being really foolish and yet it's somebody that Jesus loves which is what Jesus does all day long and and also we'll see that um, you know the wisdom of the world doesn't understand um, actually thinks the wisdom of God is ultimately foolish and it makes no sense to us that's kind of the direction that you see happening here as we go to the gospel I mean, yeah. everything Jesus is about to say comes off. It's wisdom, but it comes across as total foolishness. That's right. So, but before we get to the um, gospel, we got to dig in. Let's go to St. James. James. Uh, and uh, back so. when, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <sighs> Chapter three, uh, and uh, um, we are now. James continues advice to the churches, to these Christians and these early churches. Uh, and he begins by talking about um, be careful if you're a teacher, if you're a leader in the church, because you'll be, you'll be, there's a higher standard if you're leading other people. And again, this is just that's don't don't think that James is some here to like be a wet blanket uh, just by you know being really harsh to people that are teachers. It is absolutely true that if someone in ministry has a fall, a public fall. Uh, you will bring lots of people down with you. Um, mm. I'm listening to the Christianity Today podcast right oh, now. Oh, God, it's Kills so Mars good. Hill. Yeah, so the, good. the whole thing about Mars Hill Church and Mark Driscoll and Seattle, the whole thing. And as much as good happened in that church, the fall of that church, just like any fall in ministry, 
brings a lot of brings a lot of people down, and bad teaching has huge impact. So James is just being accurate here, but he uses that to then use make this extended metaphor about the power of speaking and what the tongue does, um, and he makes this then about not just teachers in the church but humans in general, and kind of t- speaks poetically about the tongue as being like a you know it's a small part of your body, but it has a huge impact like a rudder on a ship, a small part of the ship, but makes causes where the whole thing goes and uh, calls it a fire that it can, and it can set things on fire. And so again, wise teaching, if you have received a harsh word, I, I bet almost everybody was at some point made fun of in sixth grade, uh, or maybe it was third grade. Uh, and those hurtful words uh, deadly poison that you received from the tongue of somebody, uh, that sticks with you. So James is exactly right, and he teaches correctly that it is jacked up to use the same tongue that you use to praise God to also curse other people. And so, he, you know, but I will say there's no, there's no grace in this passage. It just <clears throat> lays down the true good law that the tongue can destroy, and Christians should watch out for how they use their tongues. Um, if we were writing this today, he would be talking a lot about social media. He'd be talking about how you write in emails, um, uh, because that's the way that uh, people get, uh, I think, burned up by the fire of the tongue these days. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so if you preach this, just use it to diagnose and then try to move on to the gospel. What would you say, yeah. Jake? Well, I mean, yeah, and I think if you're going to preach just solely on this, I mean, yeah, like I think social media is a perfect example. Um, you know, listen to that, the rise and fall, fall of Mars Hill, because it really shows in our uh, society how we really, um, we really, I mean, I think what's interesting about that particular podcast is how we celebrate celebrity over like any sort of character. And what James is talking about here is a person of character. And so if you're going to preach on this, it can't be um, if-then. If you're doing that, you're only delivering the law. Um, It needs to be therefore-because. And ultimately, the therefore-because is, um, or excuse me, the because-therefore-is, that's how you need to preach this, because-therefore, because of Jesus, uh, who uh, has blessed you, and that Jesus, the Word, who has spoken a word of forgiveness and new life over you, Uh, By the power of the Holy Spirit, you also are a fig tree that bears great figs. You are also a, um, a, uh, a, a spring that pours forth even out of brackish water. And so you have to take it to the one who has died for you, risen for you. And uh, behold, for you makes all things new, including yourself. Yeah. And so. And I'll say that that there are. But it cannot be preached. If you're preaching... If then, you've missed the point. If you end once again, as we talked about last week with the salad sermon, let us, you've missed the point. The other thing too here is that it is common to read these texts and think about all the other people who are in violation of James's very good instruction. You'll think of all these Christians who are using their tongues to speak in ways that are hurtful to others. Uh, it's very easy to feel self-righteous and preach a sermon that just uh, yells at people and how they're commenting on Facebook and trolling people on Twitter and TV news or whatever. There's lots of ways you can use this to speak harshly to 
to other people out there. But just to make sure that if you do talk about that, be aware of your own sin in this matter. Do not just talk about the speck in other people's eyes and ignoring the plank in your own. How do you speak in private? How do you write when no one is around? How do you, um, and, and you know, even if are you, you asking? Um, yes, <laughs> this is an intervention. Uh, so, and, and I would say, uh, yeah, just, just be careful. And then also, uh, I, I think know that in Mark eight, we see an example of somebody who makes uh, a mistake in their speech and receives mercy from Jesus Christ. So let's move on to Mark yeah. chapter eight, where we've just last week we read in Mark uh, chapter seven, Jesus heals the Syrophoenician woman's daughter of a demon, and then heals a man who is deaf and has a speech impediment. And now he's continuing this Gentile area. Caesarea Philippi was it was a city built um, in honor of uh, Caesar by Philip, and so. It's uh, because there was another Caesarea. There was a Caesarea Maritima on the coast, which is where um, uh, St. Paul was imprisoned, and there's a lot of stuff that happened there. But this is Caesarea Philippi, which is a little bit inland. It's near the source of uh, the Jordan River, where it comes. the melted snow from Mount Hermon comes out of the spring and starts forming the Jordan River as it flows down Israel. Uh, this is also where there was a great oracle, a, kind of a pagan oracle, uh, um, uh, and so Jesus is here asking his disciples who I am, um, in this Gentile area and they, it's, yeah, go ahead. No, it's a, it's an insane place. I mean, you can go there today. There's yeah. actually a, a colony of Druze that live there. So there's still and, a temple um, to Zeus and a temple yeah, to Delphi you, and Pan. So there's and a, that. when we went there, Jim and I actually got into, you Jim know, and one one of the notches that these pagan gods actually sat in. Yeah. <laughs> we both were like, hold, held our hands out like we were worshiping. And they took a funny picture of that and we showed it like three years ago when we preached on this text. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> but yeah, this place is a mess. It is, But this place is, um, Decapolis is American religion. Uh, Decapolis, the god there was Pan, um, basically the god of everything. And uh, they were all practicing henotheists like Americans are today. Now, what is henotheism? Henotheism is kind of basically the belief in a supreme God, but there are many paths that can get you there. So, or uh, there are different gods that are an expression of him. And so they were really into like, you know, there's kind of a, because it was in a Jewish area and they had adopted this idea that there was like a supreme force, but all there were these different expressions of him. And so we're going to like basically kind of uh, worship these various and sundry gods. And Jesus is using this. I mean, if you go there, it's like right in your face. Yeah. And uh, Jesus uh, uses this as a teaching lesson for people to say, who do you think I am? Yep. So they say, people think that you're a reincarnation of John the Baptist or Elijah. And then he says, but no, who do you? And that's a classic preacher move in this text. Like you end by saying, who do you say Jesus is? Um, and that's a valid question to ask. And one that I think... It's the most important question. Well to think about. Um and but Peter answers rightly, you are the Messiah, uh, and then it, Peter always the perfect demonstration of the capriciousness, fickleness, uh, uh, problem of being a human being. Uh, because right after he gets this answer right, we realize that he doesn't really understand it at all. Because Jesus yeah. then has to rebuke him. Well, and this ties back into the what we were talking about with Proverbs earlier, and like the wisdom kind of yep. thing, and why you just can't say, hey, if you're wise, blah 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 blah, because the wisdom of God 
uh, the gospel, when it's clearly actually heard, always comes across to worldly people as really stupid yep. and foolish. You know what I mean? Wait, excuse me. So he, they say, well, you're the Messiah, of yep. course. You yep. know what I mean? Which means you are the conquering, A-kicking king that we have all been waiting for since David. You are the one who's been promised to our father Abraham. You are, the, you are, the, you are going to be the seed that's going to crush the serpent's head, the serpent being Rome. And he's like, well, let me tell you what it actually looks like. You know what I mean? Walk, walk, walk. It looks like foolishness. Yeah, and so and the 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 Jewish understanding of the Messiah, suffering, rejection, um, you know, death. Yeah. But then three days later, rise again. Yeah, the Jewish understanding of the Messiah was like the way many Christians in America see Christian nationalism. Like, we'll get yeah. a Christian leader in the White House and the Congress and the courts. And, and, and they're going to really back perfect. Israel. Yeah, and yeah. We're going to make Israel awesome too. We'll get yep. that third temple going. It's going to be great. Even though America has only existed for 240 years and Jesus <laughs> died, like, uh, you know, uh, in 33 AD. Um, and was and never knew about the existence of the United States of America. His real purpose was to well, start America. Did. Well, he, he did. did. He did. In yes, I understand. And I'm not making anyways. But all that to say is like thinking that the answer to all of our problems is to have a religious leader who's also a military leader and a government leader who will defeat our enemies and make our lives great. Um, this is he an is. old old understanding and this was peter's understanding of messiah and all the disciples as well and then it's it'd be sort of and then jesus finding the answer in strength as yes. opposed to weakness and jesus this would be in like death. if you're on the you're on the um campaign staff of somebody who's running for president and you agree that if this person was president they would do everything great from an economic military diplomatic standpoint and then this presidential candidate pulls his campaign staff into a conference room and says, by the way, after I'm elected, my reign will be a complete flop. I will be totally rejected. None of the items you want to get past will ever see the light of day. And ultimately, I will be assassinated. Um, and I will rise again. And so all they hear is like, they don't really hear the rising again part. They don't even want to hear the dying part. They just And so this is why Peter, in you got to love his audacity, um, pulling God aside to tell God he's all wrong about his whole plan. Well, no, and what's understand. really cool, if you want to really nail like the emphasis on this, what Peter does is it says, Mark tells us that Jesus says all of this quite openly. You know, he's talking. And so with Peter, and I love the way Mark writes this particular, like, this, the way he writes this particular scene, is that like Jesus is talking openly like you and I are talking. And then it's like as if Peter's like, hey, get over here. And the Greek, the way that the, the rebuke is the way like a mother or a father would like scold a small young child. Yeah. Like, Jesus, you're off message. This is not, no, you're not suffering. You're not going to be rejected. Uh, you're going to kick out the Romans. You're going to take Cut over. it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's Cut right. it out, Jesus. This is nonsense. And then Jesus again turning the tables to quote michael scott how the turntables so he um peter pulls jesus aside is sort of talking to jesus sternly jesus then turns his back on peter and turns and looks at the disciples rebuking peter so he's physically enacting with his body what he's saying verbally which is get behind me um which is sort of a cool thing uh Jesus turns his back on Peter and then looks at the disciples and he says to Peter, who's behind him, get behind me, Satan. Basically identifying Peter with 
the devil, the the, um, the accuser, uh, Satan. Uh, and then he says, you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. So that means human things, strength, power, political uh, strength, military strength. My people are better than your people. My tribe is better than your tribe. Human more things. So, more so than that, though. More so than that. It's, it's not just get behind me. Hey, that's you don't understand, Peter. It is get behind me, Satan, because this is how it's been since the very beginning. And this is the plan since the beginning. The Son of Man will be handed over and rejected. And what, what, when Peter is saying that, he is functioning as the devil because it's like, did God really say right. that this is how it's... And that's how the devil always works, is, is, is skewing and twisting the word of God. And so this is the actual accusation. Get behind me, Satan, because in the rebuke, there's also a temptation. We can do it another way. Yeah, and this was the exact temptation that the devil came to Jesus with at the beginning of his 100%. ministry. And he said, if you worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world, and I'll, be, I'll let you, through political and military power, bring about the world that you want. Uh, and Peter is tempting Jesus, or Satan is tempting Jesus through Peter with the same thing again. You remember back when... Uh, Jesus was tempted at the beginning of his ministry, it says that the devil left him until an opportune time. So, and this is this is one other opportune time that is recorded, and here is Jesus' obedience to his mission, his righteousness, which he will then give to us. This is him uh, achieving that, working that out um, in, his, in his ministry. And so, again, human things... Our, our law, our military, our, all, those, all that thing about power, divine things, what God is about is weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's the, about death it's about and death. resurrection. Yeah. So, so yeah, then he calls so, the whole crowd and, and he says, like, this is now a good time to tell you guys that following me uh, sucks. Um, and it's I, hard. Yeah. I love how people try and make this out to be some sort of like, you know, kind of like, take up your cross. Yeah, man, come on. Like everybody hearing this, I mean, the Romans used to line the streets with crosses. I mean, and you would watch these people die and suffer. So when Jesus literally says this, everybody is like, what the fudge are you talking about? Like, this is as insane as you're the bread of life. Yeah. Uh, And it's, it shows kind of the offense of Christianity, why it's so different from anything else. Um, that we are saying that you don't get your best life now through success, through achievement, uh, through um, you know life hacking or body sculpting or whatever it may be. Um, that our process is to is to die, um, and, and this is what you hear in AA, for example, that you you your life is unmanageable, um, and the way you return to sanity is not by grasping more control but by giving up, um, mm. by yielding to, to a higher power. Um, and I, this is what I love, Jesus is talking about here. I love the old AA saying, it's my best decisions got me here. Yep. Yeah, my <laughs> best decisions got me here to this church basement drinking bad coffee, admitting that I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but this is, this is the truth, too, is that a cross, and this is what all of the first listeners would have understood as well, is that the cross is not something you've ever chosen. Uh, the cross is that thing that you had no idea was coming. Um, uh, that thing that causes you to wonder if there actually is a God. 
Um, and if you actually still believe in a God afterwards to wonder whether he's good. Um, it is that thing in life that is flung on your back and to follow him. I mean, that is to what it is to like lose everything. Because oftentimes when the difficult times come, that's when we fall into the pocket of our wisdom and trying to work it out. And, uh, and he is just saying, and it is in the midst of all of that to hear my voice of forgiveness, to hear my voice of mercy, to hear my voice beckoning you to come where I have already gone. I mean, it is insane and lose your life, lose absolutely everything, but then find it, find it and truly live. I found there's there's illustrations of this all throughout literature and movies and songs. Um, I just happened to watch the movie Sideways last night, which I do not recommend that you use as an illustration from the pulpit. Uh, and uh, but find something <laughs> like it. And I just bring it up because it's a but story. But if you're going to, but if you're going to, uh, it's a story of these two friends on a uh, trip through wine country in Northern California right before one of them gets married. It's like a week long kind of bachelor party. And um, both of them are terrible in different ways, both these men, and both of them have their entire lives fall apart on the trip. Um, And uh, um, it's actually quite poignant. And uh, this is is kind of what this is talking about. Um, When you think things are at their lowest, uh, when you have really lost everything, um, that actually is the place where... God works in your life, and so this is not um, uh, this is not saying that Christianity is a recipe for success. This is saying that Christianity makes sense of the places in your life where the wheels come off, and it yes. turns out that's where God works. And the idea that you could go through life without having that happen is actually an illusion. Uh, because it happens to us all, often multiple times. Um, the the idea that you could save your life is actually a false idea. Um, the idea that you could gain the world is a false idea. It's an illusion. And so what Jesus comes to do is says, come, follow me. We will die together. You will die with me. And that's how you um, rise to your life. None of us can avoid death. None of us can avoid the cross on some level. The question is, do you want to rise again? And, and you, you do that by hitching your wagon to the Jesus train. Oh, and that's, that's really good. Yeah, that's and that's. Uh, I think that'll end us for Mark Eight, you know, unless you have a PS there, Jake. Well, I do, and um, I want to say that. Um, and I'm trying to think about where I heard it. Um, uh, but the idea here is is that you know Christianity in America and in a lot of places has all become all about making you happy, and uh, you know, and uh, we see that. Um, Actually, what Christianity is all about sometimes, especially as we are have a cross thrown upon us and, and follow Jesus to where he leads, it's actually about having our misery expl- explained to us and, uh, and given the hope at the end of it all. And um, I heard that on somewhere on a, one of the guests from the White Horse Inn. But uh, anyway, but it's such a profound, profound truth. Mm. Uh, the gospel doesn't speak necessarily to the happy parts of our life but it does speak to the miserable parts and explains them sometimes. And uh, if it doesn't explain them, it at least says that there is a savior who loves you and is in total control. And you can take that to the bank and you can take that to the grave. Yeah. And I think, you know, I would say that the way of um, what it means to deny yourself and take up your cross, it can look different in different situations in different lives. 
But one of the things I think it means is to get honest with where you actually are. Mm. So many of us are in the process of being crucified, in the process of being killed. Uh, and um, we're sort of in denial about all of that. And uh, I think there's there's um, this t- getting uh, taking up your cross... What it means is admitting that you can't actually fix this situation yourself and mm-hmm. turning it over to the Lord. There's probably a, something about yourself you've been trying to fix on your own and you have not done it. And so what denying yourself is means is to give up that self-improvement process um, and admit that you can't solve it and ask God to step in or the person in your life that you're trying to fix and that you can't fix. Uh, and you, the, the way denying yourself is to give up on that project and ask God mm. to do the thing and actually abandon your own um, attempts that have not worked um, and to ask God to do it, which is a terrifying place to be. It feels like death, but this is the place where God works. God brings um, resurrection from dead places, um, not places where you're still, you know, you, you're, 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 um, you've got the person on life support or yourself on life support and you have to actually die. And this is what Jesus said. You have to actually die and give up. And that's where you find new life, which is scary. Amen. It's terrifying, but that's what the Christian life looks like. Amen. Well, preach that happy, cheery message uh, as we head back to school and have meet the teacher night and you'll win lots of new people as they move to town and start checking out your church. Um, Can you imagine how depressing kickoff Sunday is going to be at Calvary St. George's? The worst. The worst. We'll see you all next week. (laughs) Take care. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but... Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.